copy of the Word of God and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, a very famous passage of Scripture, one that we have looked at several times, and especially if we've gone through a hard time in life, we have identified with this passage to some degree. And I've entitled the message, Lessons from a Thorn. Why did this happen to me? I, I couldn't help but think, as uh, I was sharing with some uh, before the service, all of a sudden, just a few weeks ago, being on stage, uh, just, just feeling overwhelmed and dizzy, and, and all of a sudden, just out of the blue, bam. And uh, several weeks of that, just kind of puzzling to me. And uh, the first thing I thought was, Lord, there's something that you want to do in the midst of all this. God, there's something that you want to do. There's something that you want to teach me. So, I began to open the Word of God, and I began to, to study, and I began to find out, okay, Lord, what is it that you want to teach me as I'm going through this episode in my life? So, let's read the Word of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse, uh, we're going to begin in verse 7. It says, Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, will I rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Many people have wondered, what was Paul's thorn in the flesh? Some people thought it was his eyesight. The book of Galatians closes and he talks about how he had to write with, with such large letters. Some are pretty dogmatic to say that it was his eyesight, that that was his thorn in the flesh. We don't really know for sure, and I believe that God left it that way for a particular reason. I believe God left it that way so that when we experience a thorn in the flesh, whether it's a physical pain, whether it is an emotional stress, whatever it might be, that we can identify with that thorn in the flesh. And as I look across this congregation tonight, many of you have different thorns in your flesh. Some of you, it's physical pain. It might be arthritis, back pain. Some of you, it might be uh, some emotional issues. For some of you, it might be people. Some of you might be your boss, somebody you work with. God help you if it's your husband or your wife. We all have thorns in the flesh, things that we have to deal with. And the question we ask tonight is, God, why do you allow this in our life? So... I want to I look at just a few points tonight. And the first thing I want to look at is point number one. God allows the thorn, but he always controls it. 
God allows the thorn, but he always controls it. If you would hold your place in 2 Corinthians 12 for just a moment and look at Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1. This is a very interesting observation, and when I first discovered this, this blew my mind. Because we have an element of people today that say, Oh, God would never let anything bad happen to any of us. You ever heard people tell you that? And the only reason that anything bad would happen to you is because you're outside the will of God. I know many people who are in the will of God tonight who are experiencing difficulty. So don't dare tell me that hardship is a result of being outside the will of God. That, that's just a flat-out lie. Notice what Job chapter 1 says. Now there was a day, this in verse 6, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. Now you know if Satan's coming along, you got trouble. Amen? Well, the Lord says to Satan, from where do you come? And notice the statement that Satan makes in verse 7. This is a statement that we also see in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. It says that he comes from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. 1 Peter 5, 8 says that the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. So when the devil's walking back and forth on the earth, he's doing it for one purpose, and that is to devour the people of God. Notice verse 8. The Lord says to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job that there's none like him on the earth? A blameless and upright man who fears God and shuns evil. Now I want you to pause there for a minute. Who initiates this conversation? It says in verse 8 that the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? And he goes on to say there's none like him. He's a blameless man. He's an upright man. He fears God. He shuns evil. So the Lord brings up the issue of Job. Verse 9 says, So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not a, a made a hedge around him, that's protection, around his household and around all that he has on every side, You've blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. So what uh, Satan's saying here is, okay, God, if you put Job through the fire, he will turn his back against you. For, uh, Satan was sure of this. So the Lord says to Satan, verse 12, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. Meaning, you can take his possessions, but don't take, uh, don't touch his health, in other words. So it goes back to that very thing. God allows the thorn, but he always has control over it. We have a hard time dealing with the fact that God sometimes allows hardships in our life. But I want to tell you, first of all, thorns are not for our harm. When God allows a thorn in your life, when he allows a hardship, he is not allowing it for your harm. God has 
your good in mind and sometimes he has to hurt us deeply in order to draw us closer to him I want to remind you that God is for you not against you don't ever forget that God is for you not against you well you say well what if God disciplines me well let me ask you something if, if your children were playing out in the road let's, let's just say out in the churchyard friendship road can be pretty busy you got little children they're playing out in the road and I mean the cars are just coming left and right left and right and little Susie decides that she's going to start playing out in the road what are you going to do when little Susie starts heading out in the road are you going to say now Susie you know that's not good for you to go out in the road sweetheart you come back here right now, sweetheart. I don't want you getting hit by... I know some of you mamas and some of you daddies. You're not going to give Susie a sweet little talk. You're going to run after her, and more than likely a belt's going to come off or whatever you can grab, and you're going to let her know pretty fast you better not run out in the friendship road or there are major consequences, not only punishment, but maybe even greater harm than that. So when God punishes us, remember that it is for our good. Turn, hold your place in 2 Corinthians 12 and turn to Hebrews, uh, Hebrews 12 for just a minute. Hebrews chapter 12. You want to know what God thinks about discipline? Let's look at it. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 8. I hear people talk about, oh, we serve such a loving God. He wouldn't discipline his children. He, uh, he disciplines us because he loves us. He has protection. He has boundaries of protection. And he draws those lines, and he wants us to stay within those lines. And when we go outside of those lines, there's trouble for us. God disciplines us because he loves us. Notice Hebrews 12, verse 5. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. Remember, if, you're, if you are born again, you are a son or a daughter, a child of, of the Most High God. He says, My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, that's the discipline of God, nor be discouraged when you're rebuked of Him. For the Lord loves, for whom the Lord loves, He chastens and scourges every son whom he receives when God disciplines me I'm reminded he loves me and when you are going through the discipline of God please don't don't get bitter and 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 turn your back against God because he's doing it for your good not for your harm verse 7 says if you endure chastening God deals with you as with sons for what son is there whom a father does not chasten but if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. So in other words, he's saying, if you do not experience the discipline of God, you better check up because you're probably not, well, you're not a child of God if you don't experience his discipline. That's a clear sign that you and I are God's children when he quote unquote in good southern terms whoops up on us 
I don't use that term much. I like to use good southern terminology every now and then. I, I, I may have broken a few rules of grammar, but that's all right. I hope you all forgive me for that. Thorns are not for our harm. But notice, thorns are always for our good. Romans 8, 28. We've heard this verse tons of times. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. For some of you, people have come along, well-meaning people, and have quoted that verse to you in times when... Uh, it may not have been the best verse to quote. And I say it for this reason. Some people don't understand the context of it. Some people think, well, all things are good. Let's say if, if you were to go to the doctor today and you were to be diagnosed with a terminal illness, may I, may I ask, if you were to get a report, they were to tell you, you have terminal cancer, you have six weeks to live, would you walk out kicking your heels saying, glory, hallelujah? Most of us wouldn't. In fact, we'd be asking a lot of questions and doing some deep soul searching because we, we realize that there, there's so, uh, something that God wants to teach us in the middle of it. But all things aren't good, but all things can work together for good. Let me give you an illustration. When I was serving the Lord in Hazelhurst, Georgia, we had a young man in the church. Well, he was, I guess, loosely related to the church. His mother was uh, a member, a faithful member, but he had been out of church for several years, and so had his brother. And uh, we had gotten a call that this young man, 32 years old, was uh, in the hospital in Savannah, Georgia, and he was... Uh, probably going to have some kind of surgery that would determine that what he had I believe in his thyroid was cancer well our pastor was out of town at the time didn't have any other staff and I just really sensed the leadership of God to take that two hour drive to Savannah and to be with that family so we did that and uh, we were there long enough to realize that what this young man was experiencing indeed was cancer and he was to face chemotherapy right around the road was it a good thing would we say it's a good thing that this guy was diagnosed with cancer absolutely not but let me tell you how God worked things together for good this man a few weeks later uh, I look around and all of a sudden he comes walking in the church doors I'd never seen him in church before and he brings his wife and his stepson. And uh, they were, you could tell they were a little uncomfortable, been out of church for several years. So, but all of a sudden, he came again and again and again. And the Spirit of God began to deal with his heart. And then one Sunday when the invitation came, guess who walked the aisle? That young man who had just recently been diagnosed with cancer. Well, some time went by, you know, here he had, he, he came forward, he said, I've been out of church, going to rededicate my life to the Lord. God's really gotten my attention through this cancer. Well, you could tell his wife was really hardened. She had grown up in church in another denomination. Didn't hear gospel preaching, really didn't like it. But God began to convict. We were in the middle of a revival, and guess who came walking down the aisle? That man's wife. 
God worked things together for good. God did not mean that for his harm. God meant it for good. God saved that, uh, that lady's soul and God brought that guy back unto himself. So when God brings those thorns about in your life, he does it for our good. But I want you to notice something else. Thorns produce humility. Thorns produce humility. Notice what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, why, lest I be exalted above measure. If anyone had the right to be arrogant, it was the Apostle Paul. You go back to Philippians 3 and you'll read a uh, whole dialogue of his resume even before he was a Christian. He was a very religious man, but he killed Christians. But as far as living to the letter of the law, he did it. Then when, when he got saved and encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, all that uh, excitement that he took toward killing Christians, now he was a Christian himself and trying to lead other people to Christ. And he could have easily become arrogant. Verses 1 through 6, you'll see God giving revelations to him. And he said, because of all these revelations, God has allowed a thorn in the flesh to come into my life lest I be exalted above measure. It's easy, even in the work of the Lord, to, to become full of pride and arrogance. We, we look back over many well-known preachers through the years. I remember back in the 1980s, the two biggest names that we ever heard were Jimmy Swaggart and Jim Baker. And... There were people, I mean, just broken hearted. They cried. They thought, oh, Jimmy Swagger was such a beautiful singer and just couldn't understand how all of these things happened. But pride can get in, in the life of anybody. And, and, and that's what happened there. And, and, and it's so easy, but God brings about those thorns to produce humility. He wants to bring about humility in the life of you and me he wants us to keep us humble to prevent this pride he allowed this thorn has anybody ever been pricked by a thorn imagine a thorn being stuck in you for a long period of time that's why I chose that particular picture up on the screen that looks painful doesn't it I, I, I just want, almost want to reach out and just pull that thing out but Paul had to deal with it. Notice what it says here in verse 8. He said, concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. But what did God say? Did he say, okay, Paul, you've got your wish. You've prayed just the prayer I wanted you to pray, so okay, I'm going to take it away from you. No, not what he says. He says, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness point number three thorns are an opportunity for God to reveal his grace we've sung the song here many times your grace is enough but you know what 
I found it. It's easy to sing the songs, but it's another thing to live out the truth. You know, if we lived out most of the songs that we sing in church, we would be some of the greatest Christians that ever walked the earth. We sing, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. But somebody better not take my parking spot in church, or I won't love them so much. Or, I mean, that, that's the attitude that we have. We have the love of Jesus until it gets tested. God's grace is enough. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. I, I think Clayton Clover said it so well. Jesus is enough. That is the point in life that Jesus wants every one of us to come to. To come to the point where we realize that he is all that we need. We don't need Jesus plus this. We don't need Jesus plus that. We just need Jesus. We don't need popularity. We don't need possessions. We just need Jesus. One of my favorite songs today, and my kids love it, when it comes on the radio, they, every, every time they sing it, Take this world, but give me Jesus. This is not where I belong. Man. Another hymn writer said it well, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have a hymn than have riches untold. May that be the desire of every single one of our hearts. May Jesus always be enough. Thorns are an opportunity for God to reveal his grace. But notice, point number four, thorns are an opportunity for God to give you his strength you ever been at a point in your life when you just, you, you were weak? Physic, either physically weak or emotionally weak. You just woke up and you thought, Lord, I don't know how I can make it through the day. I'll be honest, there have been some days I thought, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I, I, I feel totally and completely healthy. But do you know that is a great place to be in the Christian life? Because when you come to the point where you realize you are nothing and He is everything, that is the point when God can use you like never before. We have to come to a point where we're flat on our backs and the only place we can look is up. Notice what He said in verse 9. He said, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, he says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. We sang the song this past Sunday, strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. It's a supernatural strength that rises up in us sometimes, and we can't explain it. And we look back and we say, only God could have given us the strength to walk through this point in our lives. One of the greatest human illustrations that I ever saw before my own eyes was some of you have heard, if, if you've talked with me at any great length, you've heard me talk about a lady by the name of Myrtle Griggs. Uh, she came here and visited uh, our church uh, not long after we came here. She's 87 years old. But when I'm with that lady, I take more notes than uh, with 
I mean, I, I just love being around uh, senior adults, especially when I know they've walked through the fire. This lady in uh, the mid-1960s had uh, gone to lunch with her daughter. Her daughter was a senior in high school. And she went to lunch with her daughter and went on her business. You know, her daughter was going to go out with some friends afterward. And supposed to be a normal day. A couple hours later, Myrtle gets a knock at the door. And it's uh, the Hartsville, South Carolina police. They say, Miss Griggs, we have some uh, bad news. Your uh, daughter has been in a car accident. She's been killed. Now, to be honest, if, if any of us were to get that kind of news, the, the wind would be really knocked out of our sails. I mean, me thinking about any of the three of my little children to, to get a call one day or just, I mean, a few hours ago, see them, then get a police report saying they're dead, I wouldn't know what to do. But the police came. You know, being a small town, they, they were really close-knit. And police came several times and said, Miss Griggs, how you doing? And, and, and every time they asked her, she gave testimony to the strength of God in the midst of her trial. And I thought, if anyone personified God's strength being perfect in weakness, I thought, it's this one lady. Here she is. She's lost her daughter. She could, have, she could have easily said, why me? She could have easily gotten bitter toward God. She could have done anything, but she said, God, I will praise you in this storm. I want to be able to have that kind of faith and that kind of praise and worship when, when the chips fall and everything's against me. But remember, when everything seems against me, God is for me and God is for you. God's strength is made perfect in weakness when we go through those thorns in our lives. But my final point is this. Thorns put our priorities in line. You know, we have a tendency to live kind of flippantly when we go through life and everything's great when nothing's going wrong when our checkbook is balanced just the way we like it and when our vehicle's running fine and everything's good it's easy to worship the Lord it's easy to lift our hands it's easy to clap it's easy to praise God but when the vehicle breaks down when you, your uh, bank account's negative it is so hard to worship God but when God allows the thorn you begin to put your priorities in line. You begin to ask the question, what is more valuable, my possessions or my Lord? You begin to ask, what is more valuable, my health or my Lord? You, you, you begin to say, okay, is, is church just a thing that I do or is Jesus my everything? That's what happens when the thorns of life come. Notice, Verse 9, after Jesus makes this statement, my grace is sufficient for you, my strength is made perfect in weakness. 
Paul makes a very astounding statement. And most of us, in fact, unsaved people would, re would read this and say, has the man lost his mind? Notice what he says. He says, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. Anyone here today want to boast in your infirmities? If I were to say, okay, let's just stop right here in the middle of this message. We're going to break out in a time of praise. Anybody want to say, Brother Matthew, I want to thank God that I'm a diabetic. My blood sugar's all out of whack. Would anybody do that? Somebody say, my leg has been killing me for weeks. I want to give glory to God. I've been having trouble at home. Praise the Lord God Almighty. No, we don't do that. But Paul's saying that his thorn in the flesh, whatever it was, more than likely, we, I think it would be safe to say it was some kind of physical infirmity. But he's saying, I'd rather boast in my infirmities I will boast in physical pain I've met people like that I'm not, talk, I'm not talking about people that when, when you ask them how they're doing they give you a 45 minute health report no I, I'm not talking about that I'm talking about the people that say although I hurt God is good those people bless me those are the people that I like to be around. People that know how to praise God in the midst of suffering. And that's what Paul's doing here. He said, I'd rather boast in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Because he would rather have the power of Christ, even if it meant suffering, than to have all the good things in the world and not have Jesus. Notice what he says in verse 10. He says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities. He says that again. The fact that he said it the first time blows my mind, but he said it the second time. He said, I take pleasure in reproaches. Anybody, anybody want to give a praise report? Say, yeah. Man, at work I am the, I am the talk of my job. Everybody says, Everybody talks junk about me at work. I want to give glory to God. I have a terrible reputation because people call me a Jesus freak or they call me this, that, or the other. They call me a Bible thumper. Paul said that doesn't matter. He said I'm going to take pleasure in reproaches. He even goes on to say I'm going to take pleasure in need. Paul was a man that he lived most of his life on the run after he began to follow Jesus. He was a man running from constant persecution, and he'll talk about that in the next phrase. He was a man constantly on the run, but he said, I'm going to rejoice even in needs. He realized that even if he was living life on the run, all he needed was Jesus. He goes on to say, I take pleasure in persecutions. He, he, was, uh, he was a man running for his life. He said, but I'm going to take pleasure in it. But then he says, I, I'm going to take pleasure in distresses. 
Anybody here tonight distressed? Let's just be real tonight. Anybody distressed? You got, you got something in your life, something that's heavy on your mind and your heart? So, sometimes life is so difficult that emotionally we get worn down to the core. Let's just be real. Pe people today struggling with anxiety and, and depression, it's a real thing, folks. And, and, and sometimes it's, it's so heavy and the devil comes and, and, and he beats on us and he beats us down and he continues to beat us down because he knows the potential that you and I have in Christ Jesus. If the devil is on your case today, it is only because he knows what you can do through the power of Christ. So don't forget it. I hope I needed that reminder if nobody else did. If the devil's on your case, he knows what God wants to do in your life. And, and, and I look around today and the devil's been on a lot of cases in this church. Why? Because there are a lot of people in here that love the Lord Jesus and he wants to paralyze you. That's the truth of it all. He wants to paralyze you. So he will discourage you however. But the Apostle Paul says, I'm going to even uh, rejoice in distresses. Why? For Christ's sake. For he says, when I'm weak, then I am strong. Think about that for a minute. When I'm weak, then I'm strong. I, I, I felt those moments in life. I mean, just felt totally depleted. But then I find the strength of the Lord to carry me on. Songwriter said it's not in trying, but in trusting. It's not in running, but in resting. Not in wondering, but in praying that we find the strength of the Lord. God does not all of a sudden, you, you don't wake up one day and say, okay, God, give me strength. So he says, okay, Matthew, I'm just going to just pour a big old dose of strength into your life and I'm going to give it to you the easy way. Sometimes he chooses to do it through a thorn. I'm going to be honest with you, church. I don't, I don't particularly like that method. Anybody else willing to be honest tonight? I'd rather have it the easy way. I'd rather God just to give me everything on a platter and say, okay, here, Matthew. Here's all the Christian growth you need. Here's the fruit of the Spirit. Here's the, all the patience you want. Everything you have is yours. You just take as much. Here's just a spiritual buffet. But God doesn't do that. He, real, he chooses for growth to come the hard way. You and I have to work. We have to fight the good fight of faith. And through those thorns, he gives us the strength that we need. I don't know tonight who's in the middle of a thorn. Or who, who's experiencing a thorn. I, I have no clue. But I, if anything, this, this has been a rich word from God for me. 
I'm going to tell you what, God, God just feeding me and, and me, I, me being able to just pass on what God gave to me. I, I, I love being able just to share the truth of God's Word because you know what? This is, this is the only good thing I can ever share with anybody. I can talk about the weather all day long. I can talk about all kinds of ridiculous things, but when I talk about the truth of God's Word, I can talk about something that's going to last for eternity. This truth tonight, this is going to be the truth that will carry you through when the going gets rough. It's going to, it's going to be the thing that will keep you running the race for God when the world's telling you just go ahead and throw in the towel. We need to know what to do in the hard times. We're in a world today that says, okay, if, if things are bad, just quit. Don't quit, church. Don't quit. It's time, it's time to step up to the plate like never before and just fight the good fight of faith. And, and, and when you don't think you have enough strength, fight some more. And then even when you think you've run out, fight some more. Church, it, it, we're in dark days. Let's just, let's just be real. We're in dark days, and, and it, is not, it is not time for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ to bow out. It's time for us to be the people that God's called us to be. And if it takes thorns, it takes thorns. Songwriter said, bring me joy, bring me peace, bring the chance to be free, bring me anything that brings you glory, but I know there'll be days when this life brings me pain but if that what it is what it takes to praise you Jesus bring the rain anybody willing to pray that tonight let's bow before the Lord Father tonight I my heart just my heart's broken God, I, as I was thinking back over this message today, and I, I, my mind just was just flooded with a bunch of hurting people. People in our church, people that I know from college and different ministries. God, I mean, this, this world is full of hurting people. People that are just giving up because life's so difficult. But God, I'm praying, Lord, raise up a generation right here in this church that's going to say, even if it's difficult, it's worth it. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face all sorrow will erase. So we, may we bravely run the race till we see Christ. That's my prayer for everyone in this room today. But God, if there's one in this room who, who's lost and without Christ, God, I pray that they wouldn't be able to leave this building tonight until they got it right. So, Lord, I pray for those that are experiencing that thorn, whatever it might be. God, it might be a, a, the thorn of depression or anxiety. It might be a thorn of family problems or financial problems or a thorn of a, a, a physical nature. Whatever it is, God, I pray that through this message, you remind them you are for them and not against them. You want to give 
your grace. You want to give your strength. You want to carry them through. So, Lord, tonight I just pray that we, the people of God, would leave encouraged. Lord, you're a God who longs to encourage us. The Bible says you are the lifter of our head. And, God, we've got enough today that, that's, that's making our heads hang low and, and, and making us discouraged. God, just lift us up. So, God, I pray, even on this rainy night, May we be able to drive away from this place full of the joy of the Lord. Lord, thank you for this church. Thank you for this sweet, sweet congregation. And Lord, the privilege that has been mine to serve here. And Lord, I, I just... Lord, I, 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 I've been personally encouraged as, as many have, have been praying for me. And Lord, I, I just... I just pray, Lord, just pour out your blessings here among your people. God, as we saw physical rain here tonight, God, we want to see spiritual rain pour out in this sanctuary. God, when we come here Sunday, we want to see the floodgates of heaven open. And God, I just pray, Lord, may we be willing to stay on our knees for hours if that's what it takes to see revival sweep through this church. God, I know tonight I'm hungry. And God, I believe I'm not alone. We want to see your glory fill this place. God, thank you for what you're doing in the midst of our youth. God, what an awesome thing that is. And God, I'm praying, Lord, let that revival fire just spread. God, may it spread in this church. May it spread in this community. May it spread throughout this state and throughout this world, God. Yeah, with, all, with you, all things are possible. So, God, we, we don't want to come with weak faith. We want to come with strong faith. Because you are a God of the impossible. So, Lord, we just give all these things to you. And, Lord, we love you. And, Lord, we thank, we thank you that you've changed our life. We're not who we once were. We're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And God, we lift our hands in worship, realizing we're unworthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, good night, and God bless you all.